missed his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, di tacco, tiro, So I know you guys are big tennis fans like me. Did you guys watch the uh, Aussie Open, the final this morning? No, but I, I kind of just saw it all online in our yeah, I saw group the chat went uh, pretty nuts over it. I mean, I was, up, oh. I was up early today with the kids. Yeah. So I tuned into the game, or tuned into the match. It was Nadal and um, Medvedev. Mm. And Medvedev had a two-set lead. And I'm like, okay, this is going to get wrapped up pretty soon. So I ended up watching a little bit of it. And then Nadal fights back, wins third set, wins fourth set, Five-hour match, basically, <laughs> and Adal wins his twenty-first major. Yeah, insane, insane. Um, set the record cool. for most all-time in majors. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, so yeah, him, Djokovic, and Federer are all on even keel of twenty majors, which is oh, kind of okay. nuts too. Like the three, yeah. like most, like in their prime, like just all-time people, all set on majors. Yeah. And so Nadal wins his 21st major. That being said, another person who set an all time record for today, <laughs> Kyle Lahren of the Canadian men's national team, becomes Canada's all time leading scorer in the match today versus the USA at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. Uh, your Canadian men's national team coming with a 2 nothing victory over the US, uh, a game that we all tuned into. Uh, with high expectations coming off Canada's 2-0 win against Honduras earlier in the week. And, I mean, going into this match, I was obviously amped up for it, really excited. Expectations of a victory were kind of middle of the tier. Like, I thought mm-hmm. we were going to compete, obviously. We are going to do pretty well against them, hopefully. Um, having the home field advantage, even though it was half capacity at the field, I think they allowed 12,000 fans, which still sounded like 40,000 mm-hmm. fans. Um, I knew we were going to have a good fight against the, the men, but the U.S. men's. But the way that we came out playing from the get-go, I was, like, blown away. Mm-hmm. And it was a great start, obviously, from, from the boys, Kyle Aaron. Like I said, seventh minute, getting the uh, opening goal for Canada, and we just never looked back from there. Yeah. Yeah, I was really, obviously, impressed with Kyle Aaron. I, I mentioned this to Joe about just the one-touch passing uh to get him into the into those paces score i thought was really really world class actually um didn't really expect to see us uh go that um optimistically towards the us attacking wise um especially with uh, what happened in uh the other leg tying one one um, I was probably the same as you. I was expecting, you know, a really difficult match and probably leaning more towards getting a loss and just accepting it. Or even but, like a draw. Like, I mean, the way that we're playing right now. Yeah. And even, even like the U.S. team, like they're not killing guys. They're not, it's not like the way they used to be where they're beating up on Guatemala like 6-0. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, this is a very even CONCACAF um, qualifier that we've noticed over the last year of play almost, where obviously Canada has been the standout country in their performance. But again, it's not like one country is beating up on another like by six goals. What are you seeing in the past where Mexico and U.S. just completely dominated the play? It's more mm-hmm. even keel a little bit with the momentum and like the the quality leading towards one side more than the other. Mm-hmm. But in the game today, I was like, okay, just based on form, a draw would be expected, I think, and obviously would be appreciated. Like I would, I would say, okay, coming with the draw, we went to Nashville and tied there. They come to Hamilton, they can tie here. Escape with two points against the U.S. and like nothing, nothing worried about that. But getting the win is like huge, huge going Massive. forward, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the U.S. and Mexico are obviously not the teams of old when U.S. got really, really good uh, and was breaking into the top 10 in the world of one of the top teams when they, when they had some really good quality on their teams. World um, Cup 06, they qualified for the quarterfinal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Mexico, obviously, historically was always really good. But right, yeah, yeah, like you said, it's it's a lot more even now. Um, it's given uh, Canada a chance to, you know, be in this position where we we're probably going to qualify for uh, the World Cup. I was honestly most impressed with our defending. I I was really pleased to see how organized we were in the back, and even um, just the kind of tackles we were making. Like there was no crazy tackles. Like they were playing really hard, but they weren't playing outrageous um you know try to stick tackles and play really tough it was really organized um no one was diving into tackles so that was what i was most impressed about and uh what i think is going to really benefit us if we keep that in the world cup yeah i mean you look at the u.s like how not until like the 70th minute i mean and besides uh bojan's save oh man (laughs) save probably save of the tournament or whatever you want to said a few of those yeah (laughs) Exactly. Um, they didn't really threaten really ever up until I don't know when, you know, when it was when they had those couple chances. Um, Aronson, that's, I forget his name, plays on yeah. Norwich. He should have buried maybe that one. But uh, no, like Santos said, I was just impressed with how like we would just the aggression to go after every head ball. Um, I think shows a lot. I think that's going to be key if we like, it looks like we're going to qualify bearing a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the world's cup, we're going to have to rely on that. I think more so than anything, you know, just that grittiness in the back and that kind of, you know, you know, Canadian toughness, if that's what you want to call it. But uh, we're not going to go, <laughs> obviously we're not going to go to the world's cup control possession and win games. Uh, it's going to have to be like solid defending and then <laughs> sending Davies on a counterattack and hopefully score yeah. the one half chance we're going to get during a game. Uh, but no, like that, seeing that in this game really gave me some confidence. Hey, we can go to the World Cup, maybe get like some results if our D's like stays solid. I think that's going to have to be the focus uh, when we do go there. It's like, hey, what we did against the US, you know, we got to make sure we don't give anything away and just score the one chance we get. So that did give me some confidence. I know me and Sansa talked about it. How if we end up in the group of death with like France, Belgium, or like some other countries, like what would happen? So it's going to be tough, but I think which that's wouldn't gonna, surprise you from happening. 
Yeah. Last thing, we need, last thing we need is uh, the Kevin De Bruyne show to show up against Canada and just <laughs> lace yeah. it up. We're going to get France, Belgium, and Brazil or something. Right? Just <laughs> I don't think just absolute powerhouses. France, I don't think they all would be seated, but it would, it would, no, I mean, you know what I'm saying. it could be like, um, because they try they try and well, pick and choose like from different yeah uh, qualifications yeah. right you so could, it could be like us Brazil Belgium and like Russia or something yeah, or, or Poland or whoever is qualifying yeah. out of the playoff yeah. right now in Euro yeah we, that's I all mean, we need we just need uh, Lewandowski <laughs> just coming out our, our D right <laughs> yeah God strike the fear yeah. of death in your eyes yeah um before we continue everyone on YouTube you guys like to like and subscribe the channel. This is the time to do it. Hit the button. Joe, what do you want to do here? Uh, hit subscribe. Hit the <laughs> bell for notifications. <laughs> there we go. Um, now, that being said, I mean, I, I totally agree. Like, going into the World Cup, we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves here. I think if Canada beats, is it El Salvador they play, I believe, midweek? Mm-hmm. I think that will wrap up the automatic qualification, no matter where they fit in the top three. Mm-hmm. Um as far as qualification goes for CONCACAF, the top three automatically make it um, into the World Cup in Qatar 2022 of this year. And the fourth place team would drop into like a playoff with other similar ranked teams. Mm-hmm. And they kind of battle it out in their own little mini tournament style there to qualify for the, for the World Cup. So I think if we play El Salvador on Wednesday... I'm not sure even where it's taking place. I should already know this, but... I think it's in El Salvador. They were talking Is it El Salvador? Okay, so El Salvador away. Oh, that'd be nice for the boys. Get a little yeah, break in the Hamilton weather. I think this was like minus four at kickoff, and then it kind of dropped and dropped and dropped from there. Lovely. Um, <laughs> yeah, we would qualify for the for the World Cup there, which would obviously be massive. But without getting ahead of ourselves, we're not going to be anywhere near like a favorite team. We could obviously be the the Iceland story, maybe, and try and like sneak in a couple wins and a draw, and hopefully get a second place side or second place position to qualify for the next round. Mm-hmm. Expectations are at a minimum when mm-hmm. it comes to actual performance, I believe, for the Canadian men's team. Which I'm not trying to put anything past them. Like what they're doing now in Concacaf is unprecedented, and the stats have shown over the last year they were the biggest jump in rankings in the world from 2021 to now and they scored the most goals in international play in all of 2021 out of any team that played mm-hmm. you know, out of the England's and the Germany's and France Canada scored the most goals all of, all of last season all of last year sorry so like the way that we're playing of recent is amazing again the talent and the quality level that we play against compared to the teams that try and qualify in Europe and in uh, South America and Africa obviously aren't as like stacked up, mm-hmm. but still, when we play the games against Guatemala, we should win that game. We play we play games against Panama, we should win that game. We're playing games against Mexico and USA, which have been just the dominant side in the matchups the last couple of seasons, last decade, twenty years, even. And they've been beating up on us, and we're winning against these teams. We're outplaying these teams at some point. Mm-hmm. If not playing, we're very even keel, and it's just been a battle in you know each other's halves or in the middle of the middle of the pitch, where we're not giving an inch. And the game today, although we got the early goal, so we kind of sat back from that point on, and the U.S. kind of brought it to us. Like Santo or Joe said, I forget which one it was. We never seemed that threatened from the U.S. 
Yeah, the one corner kick that Boyan made a save of, like just out of his mind in the first half. I think it's the last five minutes of the first half. Yeah, was huge. But we're not getting outplayed to a level where we look embarrassed, or yeah. we look like we shouldn't hang around. And we shouldn't be there. We look like we should be here. Mm-hmm. Canada looks yeah. like they should be playing with these players. Yeah, and the only the the main credit that I'll give to the U.S. is that I think two players in the match today stood out more than anybody. And that was Weston McKinney and Sergio Dest. And I think that just kind of goes to the show, like the level of play that they play at on a regular basis in their domestic leagues. Mm-hmm. Like McKinney is a starter for Juve. And I mean, one, arguably one of the best sides in Syria this year aside, not as much, but it's still Juventus. Mm-hmm. And they're, he's starting center midfielder. Sergio Dest playing with Barcelona obviously gets crazy experience from other likes of. You know, Jordi Alba and, and Danny Alves, who they signed recently again. So like, he's getting all this playing time with them, all his experience with them. Those two guys really showed up today and kind of showed their skill that they have going forward. Mm-hmm. But other than that, Pulisic was a ghost. Yeah. He didn't mm-hmm. do anything. Zardes in the first half for the U.S., the striker there, didn't do anything. Um, we didn't seem that threatened. We didn't seem scared. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the mentality that the Canadian, uh, the Canadian team has going forward. And I mean, bring on the next competition, bring on the next competitor, and we'll just stack up against them however we can. Yeah. 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 Very, very interested to see how we're going to fare against like the top, top sides in the world. Um, no disrespect to USA and Mexico, but obviously they're not at the level they used to be at. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be good. Uh, me and Joe were joking how I don't think anyone who plays uh, Champions League football has uh, played against a Canadian if they don't play on the U.S. or Mexico. Like uh, yeah. Kevin, De- Kevin De Bruyne or I don't know. Alfonso Davies, but he didn't play today. True. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing too. So I want to say that too. Like Alfonso Davies and Eustachio is his name, I believe. Just signed with Porto. Yeah. And Atiba Hutchinson, our three biggest players basically in the midfield, didn't play. Uh, Hutchinson played last game against Honduras, but they didn't play today against US. And mm-hmm. they're arguably our three strongest midfield players. Yeah. And we still came away with the win today. Yeah, mm-hmm. huge. I know yeah. KJ was even saying that <laughs> after the game. Yeah. Shout out to KJ. Um, like, and, oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I was. <laughs> We're talking about how U.S. and Canada and Mexico stack up, and then I went to FIFA rankings to check how much Canada jumped up, and I just see like the U.S. is 11th and Germany is 12th, and then I close the window because I'm like, that's inaccurate. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, know. How, I don't know how these are. points. I don't know how these points are calculated, but I'm pretty sure Germany would walk the USA off the field. No disrespect to the U.S. Um, when your FIFA rankings play, are, if they played the way they did today, I think Germany would be like, oh god. Okay. Even Timo Werner would have his day against. US yeah, I don't know, man. And that's saying a lot. I don't, what do you know? Depends. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, when you have your FIFA ranking sponsored by Coca-Cola, something's yeah. inaccurate. Yeah. yeah. Like, why is your ranking system sponsored by a soft drink? Yeah. It should just be well, the FIFA rankings. Coca-Cola <laughs> isn't a soft drink. It's just a massive corporation that owns everything. Everything. Yeah. Like Walmart and PepsiCo. They own Walmart? No, I'm saying like Walmart. Oh, I don't think they own Walmart. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's Coke. Um, that's big, I don't, big soft drink game. No, I think Walmart's one of the ones where like they are like like Walmart. Well, it's like, a family-owned business, like or something. Where's that? They, where's that diagram? 
Yeah, I know the, the, the diagram that shows that there's yeah. like seven seven corporations that own literally every other company. Yeah, I think isn't like isn't Pepsi own like KFC and Taco Bell and everything? They're all part of the same. Yeah, we're going off on a tangent here. Here it is. Is that Yum? No, I'm pretty sure, and I think Pfizer is also one. I got it. That I was surprised. Uh, I think it's Pfizer, PepsiCo, Coca Cola, Walmart, uh, and I think it's like uh, like Mars or uh, like I got the, the candy, like the chocolate, like the like the Mars bar candy. Yeah, who owns that? I no, I think Mars is one of like the over Lay's yeah. Lay's chips. Lay's chips is Pepsi, I think. Mars Mars is like the big one. Yeah. So like Mars own. I can't well, not that. Mars. Like Mars yeah. is not itself. Yeah. No, I Mars don't think it's like the Mars bar. It's like the uh, Mars yeah, Corporation. Mars, a, Mars Corporation. That's a thing. Yeah, it says Mars, <laughs> and it owns like uh, Wrigley. Um, what does it show here? That's the gum. M and M, Milky Way. Dove, so those are just products, Dove. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Mars, Mars is a product and a corporation. Yeah, I'm so I think McDonald's, McDonald's yeah. is uh, a real estate company. I think. Um, yeah. Well, founder. You know, okay, it, it was yeah, founder. Uh, where it was a real estate company, <laughs> just but then it just grew into the massive corporation it is that just owns a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Shout out. Uh, what's his name? Oh, what's his name now? Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Yeah, yeah I'm the founder. You're not, who is that guy? He's, I think he's in the office. He's like, you're not a restaurant. You're a real estate company. Yeah. You and I was like, oh, damn. Nice one. Founder. Um, yeah. I'm trying to find, yeah, now we're going to get really political. I'm looking for Pfizer. I don't know what they're under. Yeah, you might um, find a whole can of worms with that. Yeah. <laughs> Pfizer. <laughs> Pfizer owns companies that will kill you, and then they own the company that will help you not die. Yeah, let's not go into that in case you hear this. Like, we gotta <laughs> talk about to the guys on the Footy Fans podcast. Get let's away from get, that. Yeah, yeah, talk about. Uh, hey, but if Pfizer wants to sponsor us, we'll we'll endorse whatever you want. Yeah, need anything we can get. But no, the, the what is it? All the big companies. So it's like Nestle, Coca Cola, Unilever. Nestle, that's what it is. Nestle. Yeah, I know Nestle is big. Danone yeah. is the one that owns all the like. Uh, bueno. All the. Water, Kinder, stuff, it looks like Kinder, yeah, Mars, PepsiCo, General Mills, Kellogg's, Association, British Foods, and then Mondelez is owned by who? No, Mondelez is one of the big ones. Oh, formerly Kraft oh, okay. Foods, okay, yeah, so they own everything, yeah. So, if anyone, <laughs> if anyone wants to go to businessinsider.com, companies control everything we buy 2017 8. <laughs> you can look at the dash eight. eight. <laughs> What's in dash seven? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Probably an error message. That is anyway crazy. I mean, back to how the be, game setting. Obviously, how do we get on? This? Oh, Coca Cola <laughs> rankings. Yeah, yeah. Coca Cola does not own FIFA. So where does so if you find Canada on the Coca Cola rankings, I believe we're top forty now. If I'm not mistaken, we're forty. We're 40. We are 40? Okay. Yeah. So I think we jumped almost 20-something places mm-hmm. between the beginning of January, basically, of 2021 to now. We're up about 25 spots, I think, which is the biggest jump of any nation um, in like it, that gets kept track by the ranking system. And again, I, I've had my gripe with the rankings for many, many years now where I see Belgium at the top of the ranking system for 10 years and they haven't won anything which just blows my mind 
Yeah. Are they there? Are they there now, Joe? Yep. Okay. They are that makes number no sense. one. <laughs> and Italy, who just won the European Cup, is where? Oh, where was it? Italy was, I think, sixth, sixth or seventh. That makes no sense. Well, um, I mean, right now. <laughs> I mean, right now, because we haven't qualified yet, technically, for the World Cup. Yeah, it doesn't look as good, but we just won the European Championship six months ago. Yeah. We should be in at least the top three or four. Probably. In Europe, we should be the top team in Europe. Yep, but I don't, I don't know how these points are calculated. Yeah, it goes, go talk to the they, actuarial scientist behind this one. Yeah, there's an algorithm behind it. I feel like they base every match with like uh, difficulty scale, then they times that by how strong the opponent is, how they determine that. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. It's a whole bunch of fooey, if you ask me. Um, mm-hmm. But for Canada's standpoint, obviously climbing that big is is huge for the the confidence and the credibility. My dad always says that rankings mean nothing when it comes to actual play in any tournament. You could have a 16 seed going against the number one seed in college basketball, and they get upset. It's all mm-hmm. about runs. It's all about who's in form. And in this whole tournament so far, Canada's undefeated. The only mm-hmm. undefeated side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a cushion now against the U.S. and Mexico. And like I said, uh, top three automatically qualify for the World Cup fourth place goes to a playoff and that match against El Salvador on Wednesday will be monumental and historic um, in the realm of Canadian football for, mm-hmm. for generations, um, yeah. whatever the result is with, with a win or a draw. I'm not sure exactly which qualifies uh, this game to play later on tonight, actually, which may shake up the table a little bit and it might help Canada or hurt us a little bit going forward. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see, but I mean, just to earn, qualification on your own merit as opposed to what's going to happen in 2026 when USA, Mexico, and Canada actually host the World Cup. Yep. Just to be able to earn it on actual credentials and just your your playing performance, that's massive. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, just looking at the game today and how passionate the fans are and how passionate the players are and for some guys, they've gone through the grind. I mean, Boyan is in his 30s. Atiba Hutchinson's 38 years old. I think he's turning 39, actually, like this week or something. So they've been through the shit of being Canada yeah. 10 years ago with Di Rosario and how, I mean, they're playing the CONCACAF Champions League and they're playing in the, champ- in the qualifiers and they're finishing in seventh place or sixth place and not even actually making it to the next stage of qualifications because they're getting bounced with only four points that they scored. So mm. for them to be part of the team and for them to be, you know, crucial, obviously, with how they're both playing for the for the national side, um, it's just mm. it's kudos to them, man. Because like again, they've gone yeah. through the grind, they've gone through like the shitty times, and it's really paying off. And mm. I mean, the, the support of the fans now, because the the women's side obviously was the biggest breadwinner for Canada, yeah, with what they've done in the women's World Cup and obviously winning gold in the Olympics earlier this season or earlier mm. this year, it's just. It's not expected, but we expect the women to be competitive all the time. Yeah. And it's always been waiting for the men's side. Always the men's, like, because that's the biggest, I mean. It's the biggest tournament in the world. Yeah, not to downplay the women, obviously, but the World Cup is obviously so hyped for the men's side. Yeah. And I remember there was a a poll. Oh, this is going back. This is going back to, like, the old Tim and Sid days on Sportsnet. Mm. (laughs) Or, like, like 10 years ago or something. And they just said, like, if you could have one player 
in any sport that is like the best player that you have, would like what would it be? And they took soccer off the list because it's too unfair. Basically, it was what they said. Like if you had a Cristiano Ronaldo style player for Canada, it'd be an, such an obvious choice. They took it off the list. Mm-hmm. We kind of have that right now with Alfonso Davies. Like <laughs> yeah. his level of stardom and his level of world class capabilities is something we haven't seen yet in this country. Yeah. And him himself, as a 17 year old, 18 year old, has put Canada on the map and has brought a whole new generation of fan base and a whole new generation of, of players into the fold for Team Canada. And obviously, Kyle Laren is already there. He's older than Alfonso Davies is. So he's gone through the grind of getting to where he's at. Um, Jonathan David, uh, Hutchinson, obviously, and then this whole new realm of players with Larea and Osorio and some of the younger defender players. They are a byproduct and of um, experience and exploitation of what Davis has brought to, to uh, Team Canada. Mm-hmm. And they're living up to their expectations. Yeah. And like, yeah. we're here to stay, man. I'm, I'm, I'm rambling on. I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> but I'm really excited. Like, this is yeah. amazing. No, it's I, good. We've never, we've never been this passionate about our country before. Yeah, we're obviously born here in Canada. We have the Italian blood in us, so we root for Italy when it comes to international competitions. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel fake. Not doesn't feel forced because we have the family background, obviously. But it, it's and it's obviously when they win, it's it's huge. Like you feel like you're you're right there with the team. Mm-hmm. But we are Canadian in who we are, and obviously hockey is huge here in Canada. Mm-hmm. We're not hockey players. We're Italian. Come on, like what do you, we don't no. play hockey. Like <laughs> McKay hockey. Thought, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't because do it you. <laughs> oh, we don't play hockey. Yeah. I get on skates and I. It's like I'm, I have banana peels on my feet. Yeah, can't do it. Soccer is our sport. Soccer is what we breed and what we've always played. But we've never had the opportunity to root for our country in like a really like worth it kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, we could have supported Canada when they were doing really bad. And like, we could just you know, say we wear the red and white and say, yeah, go Canada, but don't expect anything. But now that they're playing at that, how they're playing, it gives you extra motivation to root for your country. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, when it comes to the Olympics, so yeah, I'm go Canada, whatever you're, whatever you're doing. But when it comes to soccer, I'm still like, you know, Italy, Forza Zuri. Yeah. But now it's like, Come on, Canada. Yeah. Like red and white. I'm bleeding it. They wore the black today. I wore the black for this podcast. <laughs> I'm psyched up for this team. Yeah. Like, let's and go gung ho. It's it's really cool because, you know, when, when we were young, you know, 11, 12, you always had those dreams about growing, going pro. I think like every young soccer player does. But it was always in the back of your mind, at least it was for me, where even if you got to play pro in Canada, you never had a hope of, of playing, you know, in a, in a massive tournament because Canada wasn't good and they were never going to qualify for the world cup. But now right. you see a team that, you know, is going to qualify for the world cup and now has the expectation that they can qualify for world cups to come. So now you're a kid in Canada striving to play for your national team with a hope of actually going to play in the world cup, which, you know, like we said, is the biggest tournament in the world. So to just to have that opportunity, I think does give the extra motivation to any like young kid that does play soccer in Canada, because we never had that, you know, we always knew Canada is never going to qualify for the world cup. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The only hope you ever have is 
you know, grinding it out, just going to Europe, going to tryouts, hoping to make a team, go to a D1 school and hopefully get scouted or play in the MLS maybe. Yeah. Uh, that's all we had. But, you know, it was a lot of, uh, I guess it was, it was tough. It was just kind of a dream that you kind of knew was never going to happen. But now this is yeah. good because, you know, we, we said it before, you got to give credit to Herdman. He came in and he's going to be the guy that brings Canada to the World Cup again, which... With, with criticism, though. He came in with criticism. Yeah. Because he was yeah. leaving, like, a huge success story in the, in the women's team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was kind of mixed with, like, uh, you know, different emotions. Like, okay, you're leaving the women's side who you've dominated with and, like, shown up and, like, you've carried them as far as you can go without winning. And, like, you're right there at the precipice of becoming the World Cup champions or gold medalist in the in the Olympics. And then he leaves. Mm-hmm. Which was, like, crazy when I saw that happen. Mm-hmm. Luckily for us, he didn't leave and go to, you know, some other country. He stayed within Canada. But yeah, what he's done with the men's team is is crazy. And just like Santa was just saying, when we were growing up, like we were always told, oh, you have to leave Canada. You have to leave school. You have to quit school and go to Europe. You have to get a European visa and try and like grind away when you're like 14, 15 years old to try and make it in in like the world game of you know try and make it in europe somehow but now with the introductory mls and how big it's grown you can go to school Mm -hmm. you can play two three years of school maybe even finish a full four years be 22 years old and get drafted to the mls and be playing at professional level within north america and then still get obviously tv recognition still get scouted by your national coaches and national scouts and have the opportunity to still make it domestically and still make it for your, your national side. Yeah. That was non-existent 10, 15 years ago. No, you couldn't play pro make a living and then also hope to play in the world cup. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not, not a thing. possible. It was, it was, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it was not possible. It was not here. And it kind of crushed a lot of dreams for like a lot of players. I think, you know, in that generation of like the nineties, like late eighties, nineties players, it kind of just like, okay, well, this is the best I can do. Like mm-hmm. I might as well just maybe go to school and then play soccer for four years and then retire when I'm 23 mm-hmm. and then go get a job. Yeah. Now with like the introduction of everything I just said, it gives you opportunity to, like you said, make a living and make an actual 10, 15 year career until you're almost 35, 40 years old playing a sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which again to us was like non-existent. You had to move to England to try and do that or something. Or you had to try and switch sports in the middle of your life and go play hockey to make that a realistic expectation for for Canadians. Yeah. And this national side, if anything, is a good mixture and a, and a good representation of the MLS and European side of things where we do have a good mixture of players that both, that both play domestically in the MLS as well as in European leagues, um, such as France, Germany, um, Boyan playing in Serbia. Uh, a couple of guys play in the Turkish league. Like we're kind of scattered all over Europe as well as some MLS sites. So again, it shows you have the opportunities there. And um, I mean, it's the biggest growing sport in the world for a reason. And I feel like in Canada, especially it's kind of becoming, I mean, it won't never be as big as hockey, but it's got to be the number two sport mm-hmm. behind, behind hockey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of hoping, uh, <laughs> it exposes to some people that 
otherwise wouldn't have watched the World Cup. Um, you know, I know we have a lot of hockey and football fans like, oh, like Canada's in the World Cup. It's like, oh, damn. And then they watch a World Cup game and then hopefully we actually hold our own. That would be nice. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I think it, it'll be good. I mean, as KJ said, shout out to KJ. He's like, guys, like they're going to the World Cup. I mean, we have what four games left. We got to get three points. Um, yeah. I think think we're going. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, are they going to hold their own? It might be a little difficult. I know some some of these countries that come in that don't have a lot of experience tend to get blown away. But the nice thing is with John Herdman, he at least on the women's side, he's had that exposure. Like he's been there on the women's side. So I think he knows, you know, what it takes to be competitive in these tournaments. And, you know, he seems like a very smart guy. So he's going to know like, what can we do if we get put up against Belgium? Like what kind of game plan you can't, you can't play the same way you've played in this tournament against those teams. And, you know, KJ said it again, they've won different ways this tournament. They've had possession. They've gotten goals. They've, like the game today, they've sat back, had let the U.S. have possession, defended well, and counterattacked. So I think that's going to be key in the tournament. And so, you know, like I said, hopefully they hold their own. You know, depending who they get drawn up against, they might not make it out of the group stage, but we'll have to see. But it would just be good to see, you know, you know, some of my friends, like, don't even watch soccer. They're all, like, baseball, football, hockey. They're like, oh, shit, they're in the World Cup. It's like, oh, they're actually no, they'll watch. watch. They'll have yeah. to watch. And then... You know, we'll see what happens from there. It's just going to be good for the sport in general. I think, you know, here, especially with the CPL as well growing. Um, so, yeah, exciting stuff. I always find it funny around European or World Cup time where, you know, the closet soccer fan just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, wow, I'm one sixteenth German. And then it's like, so my Germany jersey. All the, all the people that chirp soccer uh, all throughout right. the year and then the Cup, World Cup or Euro Cup comes on. And all of a sudden, you know, there Kevin, was like Kevin, De, my, uh, one of my friends in engineering is like, oh, did you see Kevin De Bruyne? I'm like, since when do you watch soccer? <laughs> since <laughs> yeah, I found out I've that never my great grandfather is Belgian. Yeah, it's like, obviously my, yeah, my great grandfather. Like, I know. Belgian. I remember like, going back, going back to high school. And this was like, had to be 2008, I think, 2008 European Cup, which I think Germany one or Spain one? Spain one. Yeah. I think it was Spain. Yeah, that was the beginning of Spain's like dominance. Then, then yeah. they won the World Cup in 2010. I remember the 2008 European Cup, like in the peak of high school for us. For us, I was getting tripped left and right for being the Italian kid that loves soccer and I only play soccer. Yeah. I was getting tripped by hockey players, the football guys. The European Cup comes around. Oh, my great-grandparents are German. So I bought a Germany flag. Oh, my great grandparents are from Spain yeah. <laughs> or whatever. I, I'm I got a Spain jersey. It's like yeah, two months ago before you even knew this yeah. tournament was happening, you're yeah. giving me shit for like repping the Italia flag forever. We, I forget yeah. how it started. And now you now you support the uh, the German side, who of course are gonna go to the final. Oh, you yeah, support of course, Spain, yeah. who of course just won. Yeah, yeah. In our, I Idiots. think uh, in our grade, like kind of the same thing happened. I forget how it started, but there was just a massive argument about like, what's the best sport in the world? And you're like, oh, obviously football because it has more viewers. And we're like, I'm like, no, like it has more viewers. Than and it really didn't matter. At the end of the day, it's like, what do you mean the best sport? <laughs> like, It's very, <laughs> very, yeah, it, the it, most subjective. Yeah, exactly. Subjective. Yeah. yeah. But they were just like losing. It's like, oh, soccer's dumb, all this stuff. And then it was the same year as the Euro Cup and everyone was just like all over. I'm like, 
like what yeah <laughs> what i think are you guys talking about? i think most people um and understandably so they hate the diving in soccer which for a lot of people translate directly that oh all soccer players are divers and therefore all yeah. soccer players are soft whereas we can all attest no one dislikes a diving soccer player more than someone else who plays soccer Right. 100%. It's we we dislike it more than anyone else. Um it's one Guilty of those Guilty as charged by the way. What's that? <laughs> Guilty as charged by the way for the diving Well, incidents. you know, it's one of those things where you have players, you know, not to mention any names but Neymar who make a show out of diving, you know, there's been players you've played against who obviously make diving uh a thing. Um, you know, almost everyone I've ever talked to has done it at some point where you draw a foul when, you know, maybe you could have stayed up. Obviously some players do it more than others. It's um, part of the game though. It's part of the game. And and that's what I mean, where it's one of those things where the 5% you see, you know, people make an assumption on that 5%, whereas, you know, 95% of the game is not that. Um, especially when you have players like Messi who, you know, I very seldomly see dive and they just like go through everyone and go score. And that's, and that's what it's, that's what the sport really is, right? All the top players, you, you don't really see dive because that's, that's just how they play. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, with the exception of a few. So that's, that's kind of where the argument starts. And then, you know, soccer players are soft football. They're tough. So obviously football is better than that whole argument just starts. Whereas <laughs> I, I've said it before, you have to be the top 0.001% of people that are good enough to go pro in anything. Cause right. if there was an easy thing to go pro in, I think everyone would do it, but it's incredibly hard to be that good at anything. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember to this day, I had an argument with Connor Hillman in high school, who was a baseball player. And he said how easy soccer is and how you're basically running around a field for you know, 90 minutes and you're shooting on the world's biggest is net is what he said in baseball you can score in any part of the field as long as you get the ball in play you talk about the world's biggest net you just hit the ball and like you can score a runner you can get yeah. a point there's a reason why baseball games are nine to six yeah it's a lot easier i'm not gonna say it's easier to hit a baseball because i hear that's the hardest thing to do in sports is hit a baseball but if you're at the professional level that's what you're meant to do mm-hmm. if you're the soccer professional level you're meant to score obviously but there's obviously there's equal level players on the opposite opposition side whose job is to not let you score who are equally as talented. So mm. Connor Hillman, shut the hell up. <laughs> it's not the easiest like sport to score. And it's not the world's biggest net. Baseball is the world's biggest net. You can score at any point in the field, hit the ball anywhere. And you score, <laughs> you score a point. You know, my, uh, uh, the, my former boss who I worked for at, uh, at uh, my old company before I went on, on my own, he made a really good point. And I guess I always knew this. I just never really thought about it that way where, you know, we were talking about soccer and he said, you know, I don't watch soccer, so I can't appreciate it, but I'm sure someone who knows the sport well can appreciate everything that's going on just cause he, he was a, he was a racer. Um, you know, he would go and race in, you know, some division of uh, formula racing and nice. he said, people who don't know racing will just watch it and be like, oh, you're driving, driving a car. And he actually said all the intricacies about like even how fit you have to be to race. Yeah. You know, yep. you're going through a turn and you're holding down all this force of uh, all this G force because you're going through this turn super fast. It's like any other sport, you know, 
um, obviously a soccer player is going to be in a lot more cardio based shape than a linebacker in football, but it's two different things that are both equally hard to be the best at. Mm-hmm. So no matter what it is, it's, it's really hard. You're not just kicking a ball around a field. You're not just hitting a ball. You're not just throwing a ball to someone else. It's really yeah. hard. It's, it's, it's a huge appreciation for excellence in your craft. And when it comes to soccer too, the the variation of body types and sizes that goes throughout the world of football is crazy too. Mm-hmm. Like you look at a player like obviously Messi, who's like the the poster child, the poster boy for smaller player with agility and speed. He's just like the pinnacle player that you would think of. And then you look at a player like Ronaldo, who's just pure strength and speed and just physical attributes. Lewandowski kind of the same even Zlatan just like a yeah a chiseled player who it's like you're just a, he's just mm-hmm. like an unbelievable kind of specimen of, of a player and then you got Mo Salah yeah. he's like the most unassuming player yeah like he's a soccer uh, player what yeah, yeah. you got Kevin De Bruyne who almost looks like fat and out of shape like he's not yeah, fat, Kevin obviously. De Bruyne looks like he would be the worst player at soccer ever he looks like a <laughs> yeah. sunday morning player who just goes out there and is like arguably the world-class midfielder of the of, in in the world and then yeah you had a center back you know 15 years ago in Canavaro, who was like our size playing yeah. center back and then you have virgil van dyke who's like the complete opposite of what yeah. Canavaro was like, or you got skill... to triori <laughs> yeah, yeah and then and then you got a football player <laughs> yeah, shout out Traore who just, you know, end up signing his his loan deal to Barcelona uh yeah. from from Wolves. Uh, that deal is going to be finalized later on in the year, I believe, um to be an actual sale. The the, the amount is undisclosed right now. So it says loan deal for the rest of the season. I mean, starting immediately, I believe. He's probably going to show up uh at the at the new camp in yeah, new camp pretty soon. Uh, to do his physical and all that, and he'll probably play for the rest of the season and then end up signing a deal there. Um, mm-hmm. The transfer fee will probably get disclosed later on in the year. Mm-hmm. Kind of a kind of a weird move, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Depending on where Wolves are at in the season and in their run of form that they've had recently. Um, yeah. I mean, they've cracked they've cracked the top ten obviously um, a few weeks ago. And they're sitting in the eighth spot. I mean, four out of five wins in the last five matches. Only only three points out from a Europa League spot with two games at hand to play against West Ham currently in that position. So for them to make a deal to send Traore, he was arguably one of their most impactful players uh, to Barcelona. Yeah. I mean, whatever the transfer fee is will kick in later on in the year and they can maybe do something with that. But I mean, if, it has to be upwards of like at least 80 million, I think, to get that deal done. Mm-hmm. And I mean, at least 60, 75. I mean, that's kind of my own personal um, mm-hmm. belief of the transfer should be. That being said, confusing how Barcelona could afford a player like that. <laughs> yeah, with already, keep Messi. With already bringing <laughs> yeah. Ferran Torres in this year as well. So, yeah. again, some sketchy moves going on in the Barcelona camp. I don't, I'm not sure what's happening behind the scenes. Uh, who's yeah. checking the books and crossing the T's, dotting the I's over there? But. Um, to get a player like Traore, who was already in the academy, I believe, for Barcelona before he left to go to Wolves. Uh, him going back to Spain is, I mean, good for him, I guess. I mean, he won't get as much exposure as he, what he was getting at Wolves. He won't be as impactful, I believe, as like how he was at Wolves. Mm-hmm. But 
I mean, he had Tottenham links. Uh, I think he had some Aston Villa links as well, maybe even like Newcastle. But yeah. he chose to go back to Spain. And, um, I mean, I guess good for him. I don't, I don't think it was a good decision on his part. But yeah. that's probably what he wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much he was playing at Wolves. Um, I mean, if he, I wasn't, comes if he up, wasn't in the starting role, he was coming in pretty early. Yeah, he was coming in pretty regularly. So, yeah. And that was, that was huge for Wolves. Um, but like you said, like, I don't know how much of an impact he's going to make at Barca. So I don't know how much value they're going to get from him. Plus, they're, like, I heard someone had to take a pay cut just to get uh, Ferran Torres on the, on the squad. Oh, I think it was Sergio so, Busquets. Yeah, or someone. Or, or PK or somebody. I think, or someone like that. And um, yeah. so I don't know how they're going to afford Triore. And I don't know how much he's going to get developed there, for one. Um, so I don't know if it's good for Barcelona. I don't know if it's good for Triore. I'm not entirely sure if it's good for Wolves, depending who they get, if they do sell him. Um, but yeah, I think to me, like a, a move to Villa or even Tottenham would have made a little bit more sense. Maybe not Tottenham. He might have, might have been a similar situation. I don't know how much they would have got out of him there. Um, but yeah, I mean, at, at his stage, I'm not entirely sure how old he is, but you know, he's, at his, uh, he's 26. Yeah. At, at his, at 26, you really like what you're going to go somewhere um, and be in a similar situation where you're just, coming off the bench you know as you're heading to your prime years 26 29 you want to you want to go into your late 20s after having played like week in week out on a team so like you're you have a ton of game time under your belt when you're at your peak yeah uh, that's just my my philosophy so it's yeah very strict. we'll have to see how it pans out it could just really work out who knows um but you mean I mean if I'm him and I'm his, unless I mean granted I just I did see an article the other day where some guy went to Barcelona just for the money knowing he's gonna be around these superstars and be a millionaire he's like I'm fine with that <laughs> and just not I mean play. yeah if that's like, your okay, mentality if that's your mindset you then go it. ahead but man I don't think that's Triori I mean I don't know the guy I have no idea but <laughs> obviously so just got the inside scoop on Triori's yeah, uh, yeah. daily buddy, life <laughs> buddy with Triori yeah but, uh, yeah we'll see how it pans out you know. For granted, it could just be something, you know, where he's like, no, I want to go back to Barcelona at some point. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah. I just, sorry, go ahead, Santo. Well, I was going to say, I would, I would personally, I would like to see him stay in the EPL. Um, especially, like you said, with just the state that Barcelona's in. Um, it would kind of be unfortunate to see a player like him to just kind of drop off and just be uh, coming off the bench player at Barcelona. Joe's so, gone. We'll have to see. Yeah, I don't know. Joe, uh, I think Joe went somewhere. Yeah. Joe disappeared. Oh, no, he, just, he just came in here. Yeah, he's going to... Oh, he has to get his charger. His computer's probably dying. Ah! <laughs> oh, we're not... Unprepared, Joe. Yeah. We're not cutting this out, so not everyone's going to know Joe's the unprepared one. Um, well, I mean, that's a given. Come on. <laughs> that's a given. Yeah, put your votes. Who's the unprepared one? Uh, Andrew Sonto or Joe? Cast your votes. Come on now. Come on now. Yeah, put a, put a poll in... Uh, in Instagram, see who's. I'll put it on there. Yeah, I just on. think. I, I sorry. I just think the Triori thing is weird because, in the position that Wolves is in, you'd want to give your team the best chance to perform. Mm-hmm. And I feel like him in your side is better than him without being in your side. And I think the only advantage of him leaving is that he did not go to a competitor in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So he's not going. So if you're Wolves, he's not going to go to uh, Tottenham. He's not going to go to Villa and like come back and bite you in the ass. He's completely leaving the country. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's the only advantage I could see. Maybe, obviously, like whatever the transfer fee is, we'll see later on if it's going to be something that was really worth it or or not. I don't know. I mean, like I said, like Wolves is you know just a couple of wins out of out of European places. Mm-hmm. So to arguably give away one of your biggest assets is kind of a, a sketchy move. I mean, it's kind of similar to what Everton did with letting Luca Digne go to to Aston Villa, who's a side that's only a few positions away from you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, thirty-five million pounds—it's nothing to slouch at, but still. I mean, if you're going to make that deal, send him to France, send him to Germany. Send him you know, away, like, don't, you, don't let him go to like your, your competitor right there trying to, trying to beat you out of a, you know, a top 15 spot, top 10 spot in the league. Yeah. yeah. I mean, good for whenever, there. whenever I played FIFA, whenever I play FIFA in manager mode, if I'm transferring a player, he's getting the hell out of my league. Like I don't want to battle this guy yeah. and have him like come back and beat me. I've seen it two times before with Chelsea. <laughs> too many times. Oh, really? You have like who? All <laughs> list list them off. Everyone. It's just every player. I'm not doing this. I'm not listing a podcast of all the Chelsea players we could have had. We did have, and then let go. I'm not doing it. You'd win Champions League with all the players of Chelsea that you said. We have won Champions League. Thank you very much. You would, yeah, you have, but you'd win yeah. Champions League again with all the players that you have used to. I've have. seen it happen twice. I'm I'm satisfied. <laughs> I mean, I'm not satisfied, but I've seen my my fair share of Champions League wins, which Man City has yet to see. So, we'll we'll leave it at that. I do yeah. remember the time when we were all watching, and then uh, John Terry hit the post, and then lost to Man U in Champions League. Were you there? Was Andrew? At, at- no, I was in a car ride. I was going to a game. I was going to a game. Oh my god, this is so long ago. <laughs> I just remember had- this clearest day. No, it was just you, Joe. Just you. Me, I wasn't there. Ryan, Don, and Ivan. I think. I, I was, was me and Giordano. No, Ryan was definitely there, and I think I was. He? I don't know. Probably there too. Well, I don't know. Ask Ryan, Ryan. Comment on this post. Were you there? <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. I I, not, I remember for me, I was definitely on my way to a game, and that yeah, Sunday night game, I think, or whatever it was, Wednesday. I don't even know. But um, I didn't have a phone at the time because I was so young. I had to borrow a friend's mom's phone who was driving us to the game. And I called my dad and I had him do like a play-by-play of the shootout because I had to miss the game. And I, so my reaction was my dad yelling, he missed it. He missed it. He hit the post. That was my reaction to John. Terry I remember. I remember. You I was like, that, I think I almost swore. I was probably like 13. I almost swore in my friend's car. Yeah. His mom driving, which would, not have been, which would not have been cool back in the day. Um, but that was my reaction to Chelsea blowing it against Man U. Is that in Turkey? Russia. Russia? I forget where that was. Oh, yeah, that was remember. so funny. Oh my gosh. It's not funny at all. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> it's devastating. I don't even remember who. Shootouts, man. Shootouts. I remember the John Terry miss. I don't even remember who missed for them to lose. Because John Terry was for the win and he slipped and that was it. And then someone went and scored and then someone after that missed. I don't even remember who that was on yeah. Chelsea. I, just <laughs> John Terry. I remember John Ronaldo, Ronaldo missed. I remember that. Because he did like the longest pause, and everyone asked if it was legal, and then he shot it, and they missed. Oh yeah! Then I remember yeah. John Terry slipping and hitting the post. How do you oh, get on sucks. this topic? I Let's mean, get the hot here. We're we're laughing now, but like in the time, it, that's that's the worst thing that could happen to you. Yeah, as a soccer player, that's that's heartbreaking. Yeah, like Santa missing against the Serbs. 
Let's that talk about is that. Far, far less heartbreaking than uh, missing in Champions <laughs> League. But I didn't I like that either. That, that wasn't fun. <laughs> yeah. You made it personal, Santo. Yeah. Just highlight all the PKs I missed, even in the Polonia tournament. I mean, you need two hands to count how many PKs you've missed. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another, another transfer that happened earlier this week, Callum Chambers. Going from Arsenal yeah. to the aforementioned Aston Villa. Uh, Chambers has been hurt for a while now. And he just came back healthy. I just saw like, a, the post last week, actually. It was, I think, Callum Chambers himself posted on Instagram or Twitter saying, like, glad to be back with the boys, like, healthy again. Arsenal tweeted out, like, glad to have Callum back. And, like, two days later, it's like he's gone to Aston Villa. Yeah. Before he even made his, uh, his newest appearance for the, for the Gunners. So, again, man, Aston Villa pulling moves left and right. They got him on the cheap, I think. I don't think it was too much um, that they scooped him up for. Um, I don't know if it says here actually what the what the amount was. Um, I'm on the spot now, yeah, undisclosed amount apparently. Whatever, whatever that means. Uh, I don't think it would have been for too much, being he's a player who hasn't played, like I said, for a little while. Um, he's a highly touted player too, coming out of out of the mm-hmm. Arsenal Youth Academy. He made some EPL or made some international appearances for England as well. 27 years old. So, I mean, his last appearance was um, as a substitute uh, in the Liverpool game in the Carabao Cup. Uh, What was on the 13th of January? And before that, he hasn't played since October. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. he's, he's been out of the side for a long time. But, I mean, he's going to probably come right into Villa and be an impactful player right away. And just another guy who's just going to fit into the side. And, I mean, Jared's, like I said, pulling the strings, man. Like, you have a back line of Callum Chambers, Tyrone Mings in there, uh, even Matt Target, Matthew Cash. Like, these guys are going to be strong in the back. And then you throw in the likes of Luca Dinier and and Coutinho. And, I mean, yeah. sky's the limit for these guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. looking very impressive from a, from a Villa point of view. Um, hopefully he can, uh, he can keep it going. And like, uh, like we talked about, uh, before where it's going to be interesting to see him and, uh, Lampard go at it with Lampard, uh, recently taking over Everton. That's right. Yeah. Get an old, uh, Darby and then get Gerard and Lampard going back at it now from the sidelines. <laughs> When's that game happening? Yeah. I haven't even checked. I don't, I don't know if they played each other. Oh, they, they just played. On the twenty second. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, they won't play again. But they right. just played. That's right. Yeah, Jared's returned back to Everton. That's right. And they won. So that was kind of the last game actually. That was the breaking back for for um, Rafa Benitez. Yeah. That, that was the last game he was in charge uh, in charge for. Well, n- next season. Next year. Next year. <laughs> next, <laughs> year next year. Uh, when if this. Uh, uh, what's it called? Luis Suarez deal goes through. It's looking, I mean, this is obviously just massive rumors, but it's looking like some people are saying, oh, no, it's definitely not happening. And then it's like, oh, it's happening. You never know. You just wake up one morning and it's done. But um, we'll see. <laughs> that would be interesting. Mm. With Lampard joining Everton, I believe this is a better spot for him to be in than it was the Chelsea gig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like the fandom obviously with him joining Chelsea was huge. 
and just having Frank back and, you know, he's the, the legend that he was. But him joining that Chelsea side, the expectations were just, I can't even reach my arm high yeah. enough mm-hmm. with like what they wanted him to achieve at the club. In his defense, he was still obviously had his his spell at Derby County in, in League One, sorry, in the, in the championship division. But they didn't come off a victory in the league. They didn't even qualify for the EPL when he was at when he was at Derby. He made improvements, but they didn't even reach that like top echelon of what they could have been as a club. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of coming in really fresh with what he had to bring to Chelsea as as a manager. And again, with the expectations of Abramovich and what he wants to get out of Chelsea, he was on a really short leash, which is unfair to him, I believe, because he still needed that time to let players grow, which is what happened in his first year. Because he just, like I said, his bar was really high and he kind of overachieved what his bar was. But then the next season, it's like, okay, now you have to win the league or you're gone. Yeah. Which is really unfair to, to Lampard, I think. And... I mean, when Tuchel came in, obviously we've had this discussion before. He changed it around. He brought new players in, put players in different spots. They really did a better job than when Lampard was there. But I think with Lampard, he needs to be in a side that gives him the leash and the leeway to make mistakes and to still grow. Like He's not going to go to Everton and say, okay, we want you to win next year. Yeah. We want you to qualify for Champions League next year. That can't be the expectation of him going in. Where with Chelsea, it's like you are with Chelsea. You have to qualify for Champions League. You have to win the league. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's okay. Well, that's huge. Like, obviously, I can't just guarantee that clearly. Mm-hmm. But with Everton, obviously, his, his, um, his focus this season will have to be on staying afloat, clearly, number one priority. And then hopefully have the Gerrard effect with Toys on at Villa and, you know, push the team to not just being afloat, but push the team to thrive and, and strive in this season. It's kind of unfortunate to Lampard that he won't have a transfer window to really do anything to improve the team. He'll kind of get dealt the cards that he has when he shows up at Goodison Park, which is kind of unfair, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if I was Everton and I saw like the how the wheels were turning and, and spinning out of control towards the end of December, I probably would have let Rafa Benitez go early yeah. and give the new manager coming in the leeway of a month's time in a transfer window to maybe pull some strings. Clearly he won't have that opportunity. So he's going to have to, again, have the team that he's given who's underachieving and say, okay, fix these guys that you have now that have been playing like shit. It's like, well, yeah, very tough. Not a miracle worker, but I'll do what I can. Like what else mm-hmm. is he going to say? Right. He's unemployed. He wants a gig. So he's going to say whatever he has to, to, to get the job. So again, his priority will be to stay up and then see where they go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna. It's obviously gonna be tough. Um, like I said, with no transfer window. Um, but this is this kind of why we watch the sport, just to see these kind of stories uh, unfold. Um, because it'll be cool if twenty years down the road, you know, Gerard is all of a sudden this monster manager at Villa that just takes them to places they've never been before, and we can look back and yeah. say, "Remember, remember when he got hired?" Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember yeah. that. So. <laughs> Yeah. Hopefully it works out uh, with Lampard. Um, only time will tell, like like always. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, hopefully they should stay up. I mean, I keep saying this, they should stay up, but they're getting closer and closer. Yes, that's the that scariest really thing. We should stay up. That's like, that's that that in and of itself has doubt. There <laughs> yeah. is no guarantees, man. No mm-hmm. guarantees. No. 
they just really have to win their their uh, two games in hand against Norwich. <laughs> that is key. Yes, yeah. that is very key. Yeah. So uh, Everton sitting in 16th place, four points ahead of relegation right now from Newcastle in 15th. Speaking of Newcastle, they made another big splash, um, signing Bruno Guimarães. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. From Leon Guimarães. Guimarães, uh, Brazilian, Brazilian midfielder. Um, I mean, he's had 20 starts in league on uh, this season, three assists. Again, I, I, I'd be embarrassed to say I knew the ins and outs of this guy because I don't. I don't know what's he, what he's going to bring to the side, but I mean, he signed for uh, 42.1 million euros, so. That's a pretty penny. <laughs> That's just the so he, standard now, though. I guess so. Like, remember, I, mean, I don't know. He's 24. Who, who was it? I don't it? know. Uh, I think it was uh, Torres. Um, oh, when he when signed he for Liverpool to Chelsea? Yeah, how much was that transfer? And that Too much. Was, yeah, but it wasn't like that much. Compared. I think it was like 45 or 48 or something. Yeah, and was, that was But massive. at that point, it was like the biggest yeah. transfer or something. Yeah, 40 million transfer. What was it? That wasn't even that long ago. What was that? Well, Nine, 10 years ago, right? 2011. No, 2000 and... 2011. 2011? Okay. So yeah. Just over 10 years ago. 50 million. <laughs> so that was massive. That was like... I remember seeing the news, like always getting in a car, 50 million. I'm like, that is so much money. 50 million pounds. And now it's like... Jack, it's like, 110. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it is like 40 50 million <laughs> for like that's like oh, that's anyone's like deal. That, yeah. like anyone yeah. is 50. Oh, I, what a steal! <laughs> 35 million, it's like that's it. It's like what, what a bargain. Jeez, yeah, yeah 10 years ago, million. that's the biggest transfer in, in, in England. Mm-hmm. Crazy now, it's like, yeah, it's like wild. Like, realize 110. Yeah. <laughs> could, you, Absolutely could you imagine insane. that back then? It's like that's not even like a number. <laughs> i know what do you mean one dead it's a figment yeah <laughs> but yeah so we'll see what uh guimarez does for newcastle i just said last episode that i think newcastle needs a midfielder now that's going to control the play and create for them because they have the forward in um chris wood chris wood and then they have you know the defender in <laughs> trivia and trivia oh my god i'm blanking um oh, i thought that was on so yeah. so those are their, <laughs> no i was i was i knew i knew the positions i forgot the names yeah um so yeah they solidified those two positions and i think yeah someone to play alongside shelby Which, in the middle uh, of the field <laughs> i think that'd be the key player because they have the speed and the skill of st maximum on the wings but they need another playmaker kind of guy mm-hmm. in the middle of the pitch Again, I don't even know where Guimarães plays. I'm not even like I'm not sure. I'm not privy to where he actually lines up. Um, to be honest, um, how can I even see this? I don't know if I can see where he plays. It just says midfielder on on this website. Um, this is great podcasting. <laughs> I'm sure y'all want to hear this. Um. Yeah, I'm not oh. entirely sure. He came from Marseille. You said Leon. 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 Q 
Guimarães yeah. is also a place in Portugal. No, I typed it on, I typed it on Google. I'm getting, you, I'm getting pictures of a historic building in Guimarães, Portugal. There you go. Um, anyway, whether he's an attacking player or a defensive player, I think just Newcastle needed something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if he's an attacking player, great. If he's a defensive-minded player, great. Because you guys needed both. So, yeah. <laughs> whichever, however he fits into the side with Eddie Howe, uh, I think it'd be a positive one. And again, they're adding depth. They're adding skill. They're adding just more experience into the side just to get out of relegation. Like, they're not trying to push for Europe. They're not trying to no. push for a title. They're just trying to get out of the bottom three. So if they can't do that with these newest signings, there's no hope for Newcastle. They can't be. Yeah. You, like, just don't be the worst team in the league. Like, that's all no, it don't is. No, don't be the third worst team in the league. <laughs> out of 20 <laughs> teams. Out of 20 of, teams, come on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough right now. I mean, it's 15, it's so tight at the bottom. And obviously at this point in the season, this is what gets everyone riled up especially when you have a team like man city just going away and titles pretty much closed out um signs still delivered yeah this is you know got watford newcastle norwich 17th 18th 19th um in opposite order uh but 16 15 and 14 points like that is tight as as you can get and I'm, you know, we've said it a million times. I hope Newcastle stays up. It would just be disastrous for them to go down. But they have to pick up, they have to pick up results. I mean, yeah, they have a game in hand against Norwich. Watford has two games in hand on Norwich. I, I just really hope Eddie Howe can turn it around. Um, need to see Andrew buy the Newcastle jersey. I'll do it. Maybe a shirt. No jersey. No, has to be I'll, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I'll put it right behind me here on the wall. Has to yeah. be a Guarara's jersey. <laughs> Who? Guarara's. <laughs> Guarara's. Yeah, if he's if he's good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say Maximum jersey. He's sweet. he's pretty sweet. He's yeah. pretty sweet. Um, as we stated earlier, we're Concacaf qualifying. That was the tenth game that Canada has played. Twenty-two points from ten matches, six wins, four draws. Zero losses, plus twelve goal differential too. Like seventeen goals, four five, uh, five against, which is leading yeah. the the qualification there for Concacaf. Um, next round of matches to be played, well later on tonight for the remainder of the um, this match day, and then Thursday, February third is the next round of international qualifiers for the uh, World Cup. Canada playing El Salvador. At two o'clock in the morning? What time is that? It's eight thirty PM our, our time. What is it? Oh, I think I'm on, I'm on Sky Sports. There you so go. So it's like it's like two AM, hmm. which is deceiving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's the nine o'clock start. Nine nine PM on Wednesday. Nine PM start for Canada, El Salvador. Mm-hmm. Again, with a win, they should automatically make their bid. They should qualify. Which would be wild. Yeah, it's gonna be gonna be cool to see all the celebrations at the end of that game. If it once it's actually all set in stone and official, I wish it was at BMO Field. That'd be sweet. Of yeah, course. having it having Biased, it away yeah. from home isn't you know isn't the the best best situation if you want to throw a party. 
Yeah. But there it'll be go. nice yeah. to see. But we'll be watching either way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rooting on our boys. Uh, yeah. Are we good here, guys? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Anything else? Oh, we're good. Unless go. Lena's going to come and uh, hijack the podcast again. She, If she comes out at 8 30 at night, she is going to be in trouble. <laughs> she is sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> she better be sleeping. Yeah. I'm on podcast duty right now. I'm not on nighttime duty. So hopefully right. Kelly got her to bed good. <laughs> Lucky you. Good and quiet. <laughs> um, I want to thank everyone for tuning in, for listening, for watching. You can find us on YouTube at Footy Fans Podcast. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Twitter at Footy underscore fans. Um, EPL coming at you next week. I think it said we have some midweek games. Tuesdays, on... yeah. Yeah, I think, I think actually the 5th or something of this week, maybe. Yeah, the 5th and then this weekend, there's games, mm-hmm. I believe. <laughs> so, um, Lena? <laughs> I just heard a noise. Um, so, yeah, so lots we'll of look at those games coming up in the, in the midweek of this week for the 5th and the weekend. Uh, and we'll be back Monday next week. Recapping all the footy action. See everyone. Yep. Ciao.